The Seahawks have a number of worthy candidates at the nickel cornerback spot as they head closer to training camp. Who has the edge and who might be the wild card to watch? We're going to be breaking it all down on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12s. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our Blue Friday episode, my co-host, Nick Lee. Thanks, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We're really fired up about today's Blue Friday edition episode. Got a lot of really fun topics that we're going to be diving into. And like we love to do on Friday, we've got a game coming up later in the show as well. Going to be breaking down the slot quarterback position in our latest depth chart review. Less than six weeks until training camp. It's going to be here before you know it. So without further ado, let's get to it. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. The NBA Finals culminated last night with the Golden State Warriors winning their fourth championship in eight years. Go Dubs. Diehard Warriors fan have been since I was about four years old. So really excited to see them get back on top. And especially after having a couple really down seasons to see Steph Curry and company get back to the top was exciting, at least from my standpoint. But, Nick, many of our listeners may be wondering, why are you talking about the NBA Finals? But if you paid any attention to this series, yes, Steph Curry was the MVP, and he deserved it. He had to be the MVP. Averaged over 30 points per game in this series. But I think the real X factor in this series was none other than former number one overall pick, Andrew Wiggins, who I think was the second best player in this series for either team. I think it was Steph Curry and Andrew Wiggins. And a lot of people proclaimed him as a bust because he was supposed to be the next MJ when he entered the NBA and never was able to lift the Timberwolves during his time there. But in Golden State as a secondary scoring option and a great defensive player really has turned his career around. And that kind of got you and I thinking a little bit about a Seahawks related topic. It did. I mean, we see that we see this every once in a while in sports, maybe not to the volume of Andrew Wiggins, but a guy who busts out a little bit, quote unquote, in his maybe in the first few years in the league. Some guys just take longer to get going. Sometimes it just the right system. And some guys just can't be the guy. And uh, he had to be the guy with the Timberwolves, where obviously he's not the guy or maybe not even number two or three uh, with the Warriors. And that, that helped him thrive. And I think that there are there's something to that. You see that in baseball, football, hockey, whatever. There's just guys who are clearly extremely talented who maybe just can't handle being the number one guy, all that pressure, all that on his shoulders, but can just thrive in the right system, maybe flying a bit more under the radar. And so just looking at it from a Seahawks perspective, a, a former you know first round pick and a top 10 pick with at least 20 career games or two seasons in the NFL, currently on a rookie contract, um, that is perceived as a bust with his original team. Uh, we're we're going to look at this from the Seahawks perspective, as far as uh, maybe something who wants to maybe who who do you want to add to the Seahawks that uh, meet, meets that criteria? Maybe an Andrew Wiggins kind of story, perhaps for the Seahawks, bringing him in, um, coming from a embattled rookie contract era, and having him thrive uh, with the Seahawks. So Corbin, go ahead first, and who who would who do you have? as your guy. 
Yeah, when I was thinking about this, who could be the Seahawks' Andrew Wiggins? Former top 10 pick, at least 20 career games or two seasons in the NFL, currently on rookie deal. Of course, our listeners are going to think, well, you could go quarterback. Seahawks don't have Russell Wilson anymore. And, and I was looking, and the problem is the quarterbacks that have been picked in the last however many years, I mean, I could go with Baker Mayfield here, but we've talked so much ad nauseum about the possibility of Baker Mayfield ending up in Seahawks uniform, and that would be, in my opinion, a worthwhile selection there. But somebody like Josh Allen is a superstar with the Bills. So he's obviously off the table, not a perceived bust in Buffalo. You know, I, I really strongly consider Josh Rosen, no, not really, but – Looking at the top 10 picks from the last four years that are still on their rookie contracts, players that maybe haven't lived up to what their teams thought they were going to do. Quinn and Williams of the Jets is not a bust per se, but he isn't an all pro. He hasn't been a pro bowler in any of his seasons in the NFL so far. He's been good, but not great or elite. He hasn't been that difference maker you expect from a player that is a top three selection. And yet at the same time, this is a player coming out of Alabama that I thought was going to be one of the elite defensive tackles in football. He's still very young, very athletic at 303 pounds, can dominate in the trenches, can play in any scheme, can play 3-4-4-3. And I look at the numbers the last couple of years. He has nearly 14 sacks in his past two seasons. He can get after the quarterback. He can collapse the pocket. He can defend the run. He just hasn't put everything together the way the Jets thought he would. And the Jets, you know, it's been a difficult situation for any of their players to play to their upside because they've been terrible. But I think Quinnen Williams in the middle of this defense, as much as I love Puna Ford and Al Woods and some of the other players the Seahawks have, Quinnen Williams would have a much higher ceiling than any of those players and I would just love to see what he could do with this defensive line group. So that would be my Andrew Wiggins, a former top three pick that I think could end up being much better with a change of scenery playing in Seattle's defense. Yeah, I think the Jets were expecting maybe the next Aaron Donald or at least Aaron Donald lights. And I don't, I don't know if it's very fair to expect this generation's Reggie White. Um, but for me, it was a bit harder. I, I really wanted to look at positions of need and also just Important positions, uh, you know, thrown around quarterbacks, certainly. Um, a certain guy you know, named Josh Rosen, perhaps. <laughs> uh, no, that's not that's not true. April Fool's in June. Um, for me, even though I, I do like a bit more the situation at right tackle than I did pre-draft, I think Abe Lucas uh, has a real good shot of being a pretty pretty good uh, uh, player there, Stone Force. I, I mean, they, they have options. But Mike McGlinchey, right tackle from the San Francisco 49ers, ninth overall pick in 2018. Um, I know it's not quite as sexy to be the right tackle, and sometimes it is the left tackle. The Niners have had a, uh, some pretty good left tackles in, the, in recent years. But Mike McGlinchey, he's been a solid, steady starter there in San Francisco. Hasn't made any Pro Bowls, hasn't uh, you know made waves in, in that way, but he, he's he's been steady and he's he started 16 games two of the first three years only played eight games last year um but he's just a, a solid a solid option I think at right tackle to solidify that right side and especially with Charles cross I, I just think the two tackle positions you can never have uh enough depth behind there because you know especially with how young the Seahawks are in offense you get one or two injuries on the tackles and it, it can get really hairy really fast. And uh, I think we're all excited for Charles Cross and even Abe Lucas on the right side, but adding a Mike McGlinchey to the mix, um, not necessarily, I, again, I, I don't know if I'd qualify him as a bust, 
he's been pretty much an everyday, every week starter uh, besides last year. Um, but I think that this is he. This is an opportunity to where that they can at least upgrade and solidify that right side, even if it's not the the sexiest you know pick. I think that he he could he could find success here. Yeah, I think Williams and McGlinchey both fit in the Andrew Wiggins mold in the sense that they have been quality NFL players, but maybe haven't lived up to expectations. I think the 49ers thought McGlinchey was going to potentially be an all pro guy. When you pick a player in the top 10, those are the kind of players that you're looking for. And he's been a good starter when healthy, but some injuries have hurt him and he has never really ascended, I think, the way they thought he would. But again, it could be a player that I think in the offense Shane Waldron is running could be a very interesting fit. So either one of those players I think would be a really fun addition to the 2022 Seahawks. And I think both these guys could have a significant impact, you know, that really moves the needle. These guys are not just uh, players that you're bringing in to fill gaps. They can be true difference makers. And that's what Andrew Wiggins ended up being for the Warriors as they got back on top again with their fourth championship in eight years. Coming up next, we're going to continue our position-by-position depth chart review. I looked at outside cornerbacks earlier this week. We're going to move inside to the nickel cornerback position, which continues to become more and more important in today's NFL. Who stands out as a projected starter? What wild cards should people be watching? We're going to be breaking that all down here in a moment. At BlueNile.com, you can celebrate all of life's special moments from creating the custom engagement ring of her dreams to gifting a classic and timeless jewelry piece all the prices you won't find at a traditional jeweler. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Build the engagement ring of her dreams or celebrate life's special moments with fine jewelry. No matter what you're looking for, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On Sports listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement, Use the code locked on. Every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress free and find your forever peace. Go to bluenile.com today. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Blue Friday edition. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Joining us for today's show, my co host, Nick Lee. Thanks as always for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Continuing our position by position depth chart review earlier this week, I looked at outside cornerbacks. We split this position group up because it feels like about a quarter of the roster is cornerbacks going into training camp. And so I figured we can't cover all the bases with the slot corners as well. Let's dedicate an entire segment to just that position because I think this is going to be one of the more intriguing competitions to watch on the defensive side of the football because you've got a number of players who certainly could be in the mix for a starting role or at least a situational role. And I think that's what makes it fun to look at this group is I think you have three or four guys that could play snaps depending on the opponent and the situation, different sub packages you could call for different players with different skill sets. So again, I think it's going to be a very competitive position group. I would even call it fierce. I, I really do. I think this could be a very fierce battle. Um, the the quality they brought in, um, Justin Coleman, a familiar face um, against a couple incumbents, Ugo Amadi and Marquise Blair. I think those three are going to participate in a pretty fierce battle for that slot corner spot. And really, as, as, a, as a Seahawks fan guy, who you know, you're, whoever cares about the Seahawks' success, you could be talked into being okay with any three of those guys becoming the slot corner. Um, it, it, there's no... It, 
at least for me, I, I don't feel like one has this. I think Justin Coleman is probably the the, the leader in the clubhouse, so to speak, um, just with his experience and how much success he had in Seattle a few years ago and his veteran presence. Um, but Ugo Amadi and Marquise Blair have shown when healthy, they're more than capable of taking on this role. Um, and so it, all things equal, I think Justin Coleman is probably the favorite. But I, I can be talked into one of Marquise Blair or Ugo Amadi being the guy and being okay with that and sleeping okay at night, knowing that they're the slot corner. But um, this will be a very fascinating one. It's funny to talk about how the slot corner position is a, a fierce, you know, entertaining battle, but I truly think it's going to be. And I mentioned this a few minutes ago. This is such an important position in today's NFL because teams don't spend very much time in their base defenses going against these pass-happy offenses. You're playing nickel and dime packages more than 50% of the time. So you need to have quality guys at that nickel position. I think you got to plural that. There's got to be multiple players that you can play for different situations. And the Seahawks have put themselves in a good spot there because Ugo Amadi, Marquise Blair, and Justin Coleman are all different players with different strengths. I think of that group, Justin Coleman is clearly the best man cover slot that they have. I think Ugo Amadi's pretty solid in the zone, and Marquise Blair can do things that neither one of the other two guys can do as far as blitzing and being able to stuff the run, his physicality. He's that true big nickel. So, like you said, I think I could be talked into any of these three. If Marquise Blair can stay healthy, I still think he's got the highest ceiling of any of these players playing that spot. But I would roll with Coleman right now as my starter just because you know what you're getting, the consistency that he's had throughout his career. And he's just a really darn good slot corner. So that's that's who I would have pegged in there right now. But I could see it being any of those three players ending up getting the majority of the slot reps. As far as sleepers go, I showed that list. I'll show the list again, the players that we have down. My sleeper is not on this list because Kobe Bryant has not played very much slot corner at his time in Cincinnati, but, and I'm saying this just from being at their mini camp and obviously Marquise Blair was not able to participate, but Kobe Bryant was getting some snaps out of the nickel. I think the Seahawks want to find a way to get him on the field any way they can. And if they have a combination on the outside, they already like, or if Trey Brown is still going to get that starting job back when he's healthy, however, that works out. Kobe Bryant has the football savvy to play any of the cornerback spots. And you know, he's going to be bring ball hawking abilities and he's going to be able to come up and tackle people. He can do all those things, not as athletic as some of the other corners on this list, but I think he could play any of those three spots. So Kobe Bryant's my sleeper, not on the list there, but if he isn't playing on the outside, the Seahawks, they may very well decide, you know what? We're going to put you in its slot, and we're going to let you compete there against the other bodies that we have. And it would make this intense competition even fiercer in August. And based on what I've read about Kobe Bryant, I haven't met him, but just the things I've gathered, he wouldn't back down. He, he would embrace that. Yeah. Um, he has that. Mamba mentality. <laughs> That's the kind he of low the red mamba. <laughs> the low hanging fruit there, but but it certainly is true. Um, obviously, for me, Justin Coleman is is this, this the favorite. Uh, if we're doing you know Vegas odds, Justin Coleman certainly has has the upper hand there. He was a revelation when the Seahawks brought him in a few years ago in 2017. A few years ago, it's five years ago now. It's kind of crazy. Uh, all they paid for him was a seventh round pick to the Patriots and played in all 32 regular season games in 2017, 2018 three picks, even two pick sixes in 2017. And since leaving Seattle, it's been kind of up and down, but I think he kind of found his way back a little bit last year, playing some quality football down the stretch 
Um, had a, he allowed just a 63.4 passer rating and 38 targets yeah. uh, with the Dolphins. So pretty pretty darn solid numbers there. Um, so I think he can be reinvigorated with a return to Seattle. Some similar schemes, similar personnel and coaching, at least, even though there's a bit of a, of a different look. Um, Ugo Amadi, you know, he played, he's averaged about 55% of defensive snaps the last two years, certainly got full of experience. As far as sleepers go, um, I know it's kind of a cop out, but I think people are sleeping on Marquise Blair. I know, I know that we just talked about him as a top option to be a starter. Um, and maybe not as a sexy of a sleeper pick as maybe Kobe Bryant is. Um, but I think people are sleeping on his dynamic abilities just with, with all he can do as a free safety and, and big, big nickel corner, even though he's a dirty Utah Ute, I think we've got plenty. <laughs> I had to throw that in there. You know, how, you know how it goes. Uh, but I, I, I think very highly of Marquise Blair. If he can stay healthy, he's got some really great abilities. He brings the lumber. He's, he's, ath- he's athletic as heck. I, I think that he has a lot of things to bring to the table. Yeah. Tools in his utility belt that the other guys just don't have. But I think we're, I think we're all kind of sleeping on him a little bit just because of his injury history. I know that's kind of a cop out to say that, but um, don't sleep on Marquise Blair quite yet, even though he hasn't been able to get back on the regular program. But when he does, I wouldn't be shocked if he does uh, start making waves. See, Blair's my wild card here because we know what he's capable of. I don't know that anybody is necessarily sleeping on him. He just hasn't been available. If you were at training camp a couple years ago, I've been saying this time and time again. He was the best player on the field at training camp two years ago. And then week two, K.J. Wright inadvertently hits his helmet against his knee. Done for the season. Torn ACL. Last year, fractured kneecap. He's just been unable to stay on the field, but that makes him the wild card because we know when he's healthy that he can be a difference maker and he brings different tools to the table. I don't even know if he's going to be getting all the snaps out of the slot. I do think there's a chance they're going to be mixing and matching two or three of these guys because they all have different skill sets. And depending on opponents, they may be better for your game planning. But Marquise Blair, the ability to come up and hit people, to blitz, to cover tight ends, and bigger receivers and have the athleticism to go against quicker guys. He has a very versatile skill set. You just want to keep him on the field. So to me, he is definitely the wild card of this group. And maybe the toughest one for me, thinking about who the player is that's on the bubble, because when you have this many players competing for a prime starting spot, there's always going to be somebody on the outside looking in. Ugo Amadi is my selection for this one. Not that I think he is going to be on the outside looking in and not on this football team. I expect he will be on the roster in week one. But he would be the one guy of these three, if everybody's healthy, that I would think going into camp that maybe it's not a 100% chance that he's going to be on this team because he's in the final year of his rookie deal. You can save some money by cutting him. I don't know that they would have any reason to open up cap space, but it would create some cap space doing that. If he doesn't stand out in this competition and they have some other young guys that emerge as quality special teams players, then he might end up being a player that could be expendable, either trading him or cutting him. Again, I don't think that's going to happen. I expect those top three slot corners to be on the team in week one. But if I had to make a prediction which one of those three has the least stable ground underneath him going into camp, I would say Ugo Amadi. Yeah, I, I can be talked into Marquise Blair for his injury history. If if he comes in the training camp and gets nicked up again, uh, I could see them cutting ties there. Um, just with he's not the best abilities availability. We talk about it all the time, and he has not been available. So kind of a, my sleeper and my wild card on the bubble are all kind of Marquise Blair because 
uh, just what he can do if he stays healthy. But again, yeah, if he gets he gets dinged up again, I, I just I think that might be too much. Uh, I th I think he has a shorter leash as far as um, not being available than maybe Ugu Amadi does. But I also agree that the loser between Justin Coleman and Ugo Amadi, if there is a loser, um, I will probably be on the bubble. I would probably lean towards Ugo Amadi being on that list because um, I think they're just very similar in their abilities. So, uh, but for now, I think yeah. Let's assuming all situations are the same um, with the injury history, any sort of you know mix or any sort of uh, uncertainty with his with Blair's health entering and and throughout camp. He could be on the bubble. I think you can make an argument for any of those three players, whoever ends up at the bottom of the three. I mean, Justin Coleman's a little older player now. So if he comes out and his training camp isn't great and he doesn't look like the player from a few years ago, Seattle has brought players back for a second spin and cut them quickly. It's happened several times. I don't predict that, but I'm not going to sit here and say it's impossible that that could happen. So again, this is going to be a very intense competition with those three guys, maybe Kobe Bryant working his way in there as well. And so you could have four players competing, duking it out in camp to get these primary snaps out of the slot. You could do some mixing and matching. So it is going to be a fascinating positional battle to watch. It's Blue Friday, and our regular listeners know we love to play games on Blue Friday. We're going to continue that tradition today with a classic game of what's more likely. We're going to get to that here in a moment. You know how our friends at Built Bar are always coming up with amazing new flavors? Well, they've truly outdone themselves this time with their new Mud Pie flavor. And for the first time ever, Built is introducing the new Mud Pie flavor in both Mud Pie Bar and Mud Pie Puff. They're both delicious. I've ate my sample boxes for both already three days after I got them. Not sure what Mud Pie tastes like? Well, if you're a chocolate fan, you'd better sit down for this. The new Mud Pie Bar is rich whipped cream and chocolate mousse smothered in 100% real chocolate and topped with cookies and cream crumble. If that sounds delicious, well, it is. You've got to try Mud Pie as soon as possible, and you need to hurry because the Mud Pie Bar and Mud Pie Puff are only available for a limited time. Visit Built.com to taste the deliciousness for yourself. Not convinced? Luckily, we saved the best for last. It's actually good for you. No, really, all Built products are low-calorie, high-protein, and low-sugar Mud pie is packed with 16 grams of protein and only 150 calories and 8 grams of sugar. It's like your mom baked the most deliciously creamy chocolate mud pie and wrapped it up just for you. Mud pie bars and puffs are available at Built.com right now, but they're going fast because they're delicious. Chocolate mousse, whipped cream, cookies and cream crumble. Stop drooling. Get to Built.com right now to order your box of mud pie bars and puffs now. You won't regret it. Visit Built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. That's LOCK15 at Built.com for 15% off your order. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Blue Friday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for today's show, Nick Lee. Thanks, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. It's a Blue Friday tradition. It's been a few weeks, actually, since we've played a spirited game on Blue Friday. So you and I were champing at the bit going into this episode for this game, we're going to play a little bit of what's more likely and how this works. Pretty simple. We're going to have two different statements and you and I have to decide what's more likely to happen this upcoming season. So without further ado, Nick, let's get to our first one. What's more likely Seattle earns a top five draft pick or <laughs> Seattle clinches a wild card berth. 
Whew. Going, getting hot right off the right of the start here. <laughs> I love the earns a top five draft pick. Uh, I'm going to go more likely they earn a top five draft pick. Uh, not because I, mean, I think that they'll be, they, they could, I, I could be talking to them being in contention for a wild card spot, especially now that they've added that, that, uh, that extra spot. Um, I'm just, you know, are, are the Seahawks better than five NFL franchises this year? And I'm not sure they are. I, with the quarterback is such a pivotal, pivotal part of success in the NFL. Yes. They have talent other places. Yes. They have, some of the best, you know, one of the best wide receivers in DK Metcalf, two of the best wide receivers with Tyler, Tyler Lockett. Um, who's throwing him the football, you know? <laughs> and uh, offensive line, I think, is a, is a work in progress, which it could turn out to be solid if if the draft picks work out. Um, running back, you know, Rashad Penny, that there's some uncertainty there, even though he he uh, was solid to end last year. So there's just a lot of uncertainty, and, and I'm not sure that they are better than five NFL franchises because that's what it's going to take to not be not have a top five pick. And on the flip side, are you better than, you know, the, the, are some of the top or half of the NFC? NFC uh, could be pretty tough. It's clearly not as deep as the AFC. AFC is brutal. If the Seahawks were in the AFC, I think this would be an even easier uh, uh, question. But I'm going to go uh, more likely that they get a top five pick. But it's honestly not by much, though. I'm going to go the other direction. I don't think they make the playoffs, but I... I think this team has too much to play for. I think they have too many quality veterans. I just can't see this team going out and winning four or five games and getting a top five pick, especially in the NFC. As you just mentioned, the NFC is significantly weaker now than the AFC. So I think that matches up well with this football team. They're going to be wanting to prove people wrong. You know the veterans that are still in this roster, like Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs, Jordan Brooks. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Pete Carroll on the sidelines. Pete Carroll's not tanking at 70 years old. That's not going to happen. So I think this team is going to be competitive. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. But if I had to bet between these two scenarios in the NFC, the way it's constructed right now, I would pull the trigger on wild card if I had to gamble. I would gamble for the wild card berth and not a top five pick. Might not be what fans want to hear, but that's just the way that I feel about it. I think there's too much talent for them to be in the top five. Next up here, what's more likely? Baker Mayfield starts in week one or Chris Carson plays plays 12 or more games in 2022? Oh, man. I mean, there's speculation that Chris Carson won't even play one. I mean, who knows? Uh, I'm going to go it's more likely that Chris Carson plays more 12 games. And here's why. Uh, it's not necessarily that I, I, I just... I truly think that Deshaun Watson is on his way to a one-year suspension in Cleveland. And if that's the case, they're going to have to, you know, go back to the rebound girl <laughs> in Baker Mayfield, who, you know, maybe he doesn't want to do that. And maybe he kind of plays hardball and is shipped out of town anyway, because the Browns, the Browns would really be up a creek then. Um, but I truly think that Watson will be suspended and that Mayfield will be needed in Cleveland. So I, I think it's pretty unlikely now now that more stuff is coming to light about the Deshaun Watson situation, I think that that's really where that my decision kind of was influenced. I don't believe that Carson, that Chris Carson is going to play 12 games for the Seahawks this year. I just don't, I, I don't believe in that neck. Um, I just, it, it's a, that's a really tough situation, but I actually think it's less likely that Baker Mayfield makes his way to Seattle, especially given the situation with Deshaun Watson. 
I'm going to go with Mayfield on this one, even though I don't think either one of them is going to have it. I'm hoping Chris Carson can find a way to play. I've been saying this all along. I'm not rooting against the man. I If he can get out there and play and he's been cleared and it's not going to jeopardize his long-term health, then I'm all for it. I just think with the things that have been said, and and Chris himself, I mean, you know, he was saying here on our show last week that he's not thinking about retirement and things of that nature, but we've got that date coming up here later this month where he's going to be in Dallas. And I think that is what's going to determine his fate. So I think that the Mayfield thing, the way that he is, the way that his personality is, I can't see him being willing to dance with the Cleveland Browns. If they're like, Hey, Deshaun's out this year. We need you. He'll be like, Oh, great. A great situation for you. Well, I'm not helping you. I just can't see Baker Mayfield doing that. And they signed Jacoby Brissett. So I would say there's a more outside chance that Mayfield ends up in Seattle than the other scenario where Chris Carson plays 12 games. I don't think either one of them ends up happening, though. Next one here, what's more likely? Drew Locke throws 20 touchdowns or Russell Wilson misses the playoffs in his first year with the Broncos? (laughs) Well, (laughs) this, uh, this isn't sour grapes, okay? This isn't me being salty. This isn't me... You know, wishing ill will on on Russell Wilson at all. Have you seen that division? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go more likely that Drew Locke throws 20 touchdowns first. Um, I, I truly think that he can still beat out Geno Smith and be the guy. I do. Um, that that's that's about to be to be decided in the coming months. Um, if he is the guy from day one, from day one, if he plays 17 games as the starter. I could see Drew Locke saying such a small, the standard, uh, you know, Russell Wilson would do 20 touchdowns in four games. Uh, but but I, I could see him throwing 20 touchdowns. I do. As long as he's the guy from day one with uh, the pieces around him that he, he, I think he's got a better supporting cast right now than he did in, in some, in some of his uh, time with Denver. So, um, and, and just, I also don't believe in the, the Broncos navigating that division. That division is insane. And, you know, is Russell Wilson the top five quarterback anymore? I know that's easy to say now that he's gone and out of town and we're going to kick him at, while he's out the door. But um, that is, is he a top two, three quarterback in that division? I mean, that, that's, that's, that division's crazy. So it's, it's more of a disbelief in the Broncos as a team getting it done in such a heavy uh, conference and division than it is uh, me believing that Drew Locke is going to be, you know, a pro bowl or anything. This one was actually pretty easy for me because I don't think Drew Locke even starts in week one for the Seahawks. I think Geno Smith is going to win the job. Now, I could change my opinion on that because I do think it's close right now, but I think Geno starts. So getting to 20 touchdowns is pretty hard when you're on the sideline. Um, So, yeah, I think that it's more likely that the (laughs) Broncos miss the playoffs because of that division that they are in, as you mentioned. I mean, the Chargers, the Raiders – and the Chiefs, I think you can make arguments for all three of them to get to the Super Bowl this year. I truly believe that. And the Broncos are in that division. The Broncos could easily be a playoff team and win 10 to 12 games. But, man, it's going to be brutal trying to get there. So, yeah, I you know, if Locke wins the job in week one, 20 touchdowns, probably not overly difficult in 17 games. Uh, but I'm basing this mostly off of the fact I think Geno Smith starts in week one, and I've been saying that for quite some time. Next one here. What's more likely Rashad Penny wins the rushing title or DK Metcalf earns first team all pro. This one was the easiest one for me. 
uh, DK Metcalf wins all pro is, is, is more likely for me. I mean, we all know DK Metcalf is one of the top talents in football at receiver, and he's proven it on the field uh, consistently. While Rashad Penny had a crazy run that was awesome to, to end last year, the, the consistency and the track record just is not there yet. And there's only one rushing king. There's a couple spots for first team all pro for receivers. So there, there's a bit, there's a bit of a, a you know, there's extra spots there, are one or two spots. I don't know how many, I don't know exactly how many first team all pro receivers there will be are, are named. Two or three, I think, maybe four. Um, so I think it's just more likely that DK Metcalf finishes as a top three or four receiver in the league than it is uh, Rashad Penny having the most rushing yards. I mean, talking, you got Derek King out there. You got, you got plenty of guys that are plenty, plenty of stud running back, running backs out there that are gunning for that rushing title. Um, and I think DK Metcalf has a better chance of, of of being named one of the three or four best receivers. I'm telling our listeners, we are not purposely picking different ones every time. It's just the way it's playing <laughs> out. Have you seen the quarterbacks the Seahawks have? As great as DK Metcalf is, Fair. I just don't know that the numbers are going to be there with the quarterbacks that they have. And maybe I'm putting too much faith in Rashad Penny with the injury history, but we saw what this guy can do the last five or six games last year. And I don't think he's going to have to shoulder all the load because they do have Ken Walker, the third, if Chris Carson's available and you could make the argument, well, that means he's not going to get enough attempts, but we've seen how explosive he is. I don't know that he has to have a huge workload to rack up 14 and 1500 rushing yards in the season with how explosive he is. And so I think with the way this offense is constructed, the quarterback situation, I actually would lean towards Rashad Penny here of these two winning the rushing title because he showed he has that kind of talent late last season. It's going to boil down to staying healthy and how the offensive line blocks in front of him. Next one. What's more likely going to the defensive side of the ball. Daryl Taylor registers 12 sacks or Kobe Bryant picks off three passes as a rookie. I think three interceptions for a rookie who isn't guaranteed a starting spot at this point is a pretty tall task, pretty tall ask. And meanwhile, I think we're both pretty squarely on the Daryl Taylor hype train. I think we both boarded that train and have left the station with it. Um, I've been a big, big proponent of Daryl Taylor since day one, since I saw him come out of Tennessee. Uh, and he just has got that build, that physique, that game, those traits, that scream double digit sacks to me. And I think his six and a half sacks last year was just scraping the surface of what he could do and, and some of the some of his potential um, second on the team with 22 pressures. And I, I think that as, and especially now that there's an extra game at 17 games, I think that adds uh, maybe a bit more to getting 12 sacks. 12 sacks is a pretty tall number. The Seahawks don't have guys that get that, get to that, uh, have not had a guy get to that in a while. I think I'm, I'm not quite sure the last time the Seahawks had a guy reach that number. Um, I, maybe since Frank Clark, I don't know if he got there. But it's uh, it, it, that's also a tall number. But I just think with the maybe limited amount of snaps Kobe Bryant starts out with, and even if he does start three interceptions, we've seen some pretty fine quarter, cornerbacks come through town that don't get three picks in a year. Um, you know, she, uh, Shaquille Griffin was never a, a pick-happy guy. Um, and, and so just with his maybe limited opportunities, at least early on, and, and maybe as he earns himself uh, playing time later on, he can get that. But three picks is pretty hard. I, I really, truly think. Daryl Taylor is a sleeper Pro Bowl pick this year. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on this one. And I like Kobe Bryant a lot. I think he could play a lot of snaps as a rookie. 
but three picks is a lot, even for a player with his ball skills. And I've seen him on display at OTAs and minicamp. This guy plays like a receiver at the cornerback position. He has very good hands. So three picks might not be that crazy if he plays extensive snaps. But I think Daryl Taylor is ready to explode. I've been saying it for the last couple months. And I think in this 3-4 scheme where he's pinning his ears back off the edge with his explosiveness, his ability to bend around the corner, his surprising ability to turn speed to power as a bull rusher, I think he is ready to blow up this year. So 12 sacks is a lot. Uh, Frank Clark is the last one that had that many, 13 and a half sacks his final season with the Seahawks. I think that we could see Daryl Taylor come very close to that mark in 2022. I think he's ready for a monster third season with the Seahawks. And we have one more here, actually. One more category here. What's more likely? Corbin breaks five seconds in the 40, and it should say in 2023, because I already failed at that this year. Or... Nick qualifies for a semi-pro golf event. Whoo! Well, uh, what was your 40 time again? I ran 5.5 in 5. March. 5. So you got to cut off half a second. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, well, I I think you cutting half a second off of your 40 time might be more likely than a 19.5 handicapper making a semi-pro golf <laughs> event. I can't even I, – I, my dad is, you know – 50 something years old and, and in, in about as good a shape as me. And he still kicks my trash all up and down the golf course. So if, if he's not making semi pro events, I, I have no hope either. I'm just happy when I break a hundred, really. I broke 90 the other day at apple tree in Yakima and I was like doing cartwheels. So if I'm doing cartwheels, breaking 90, I'm not quite sure I have the right standards to make a semi pro golf event. Just so you don't play in that pro league in, uh, that the Saudis are sponsoring. Well, if you want to pay me $200 million, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be mad at it. Yeah, I, I think that the likelihood of either one of these happening in 2023 is probably pretty slim. I have been running sprints two times a week ever since the combine that we had for the media because I was upset, I will admit. I was upset. I showed up around 240 pounds. That was way heavier than what I wanted to be. I'm down to 225 right now. Best shape of your so, life. Here we go. If I'm at 215 next March, and they do the combine again. I don't know that I can cut half a second. It's a lot uh, to cut in a year, but who knows? Who knows? I mean, if I fix the technique stuff, it might be possible that I can get close to doing that. But I'm not running sub four fives like I did. 14, 15 years ago, that athlete is gone. So yeah, yeah i for either one of us to do that, but we <laughs> will both make that our goal this next year. And, uh, you know, <laughs> we're not going to be Peter to the floor of dodgeball. We are going to actually have goals and try to attain them. <laughs> anyway, as always, thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. You can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Nick at Nick Lee 51. We'll be back coming up on Monday. I'm going to continue diving into our position-by-position position review, and I'm hoping Rob Rang will be back on the mend from his sickness that cost him uh, most of the episodes this week. Hopefully we'll have Rob back in action, and we can continue our 90-player previews with numbers 85 through 81. Enjoy your weekend. Stay safe. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks.